Welcome to Cellmates. Welcome to Cellmates. My name is Spider Ham. <laughs> I'm Batman, I guess. <laughs> and this is an, uh, a podcast where we take two animated feature films and Venn diagram them with yeah. each other. We analyze, smush them up. Smush them up, mash them up, put them into the animation verse. Yeah, we like we grab two movies that are in completely different universes and like. Put them together with some like Kendrick Lamar music, uh-huh. and it's great. Great, uh, my it's alter Kendrick, ego. Kendrick Lamar did our theme. My alter ego for today is uh, Kate Phillips. <laughs> for today? Well, yeah, I mean Spider Ham. Uh, anyway, and okay. Please, please keep me appraised of when your alter ego changes. <laughs> playing Batman in the place of Kevin Conroy. Hi, I'm Dick. Is uh, Dick Ward? Yep. And. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to keep you in suspense of what two movies we might be doing or yep. themes. But, uh, Dick, what are you drinking today? I don't remember. Wait, I do. Whammy. 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 Um, ooh, this is also a podcast where the two movies we talk about, because we forgot last time. Oh, yeah. Often Disney. Oh, but not always. Often musicals. But not always. Often good. But not always. So now we will continue to keep you in suspense. Uh, uh, I am drinking a, a beer. It mm-hmm. is called Whammy. It sure is. It's got little flexa stuff in it because it's unfiltered. It does, yeah. It, uh, Single Cut, which is a Astoria, New York uh, brewery. Mm-hmm. And Dick, if you were to, to describe the logo of this uh, beer, how would you describe it? Well, I, I don't remember. I haven't seen the can We bought this recently. like eight months ago in preparation for I, I think there's like a punchy a punchy fist? Yeah, uh, it's not a punchy fist. It's just like a comic book exclamation uh, of the word whammy. Then that is how I would describe it. So it's all like capital letters and cacao-y. exciting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starburst. Onomatopoeic. Mm, mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, almost as if it just hopped out of a comic book. Oh yeah, it just leaps off the leaps off the page there in a single bound. Yeah. Oh, we're not talking about that one today. Nope. Anyway, we are exploring two comics-based movies today. Yes. yes. We're, it, one is the autobiography of Richard Belzer. Um, and then, what? Oh, comic book-based movies. Who is Richard Belzer? Richard Belzer. Belzer. He's, a, he's like a comedian and he's on like a Law and Order or something. Comics book? What? Just That's just a comics yeah, you oh, said comic. Did I, I, not, I did not say comic book. I wasn't book. sure. Sorry. Comic book. <laughs> superheroes, specifically. Uh, yeah, so uh, on, represented by Spider-Ham. Yes. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. The new uh, feature from 2018 and recent Oscar winner. You may have heard of it. Heard of it. It did okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other movie we're talking about to pair with it is actually our first non-theatrically released uh, movie. This is true. Um, we are doing uh, Batman. Bat, uh, the official title is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. That's what I meant. Uh, direct-to-DVD released based on the Batman Beyond uh, 
animated television series, mm-hmm. um, but it also draws in Batman the animated series, the yeah, predecessor. It's, it's it's got some some voice actors and uh, characters, I guess, but mm-hmm. uh, from the original uh, Batman series, the early '90s series, because this movie is too. Yeah, sorry, I say the original yeah. Batman series. I mean. Batman the Animated Series. I mean, yes. that's basically the original Batman series. I don't think there was Batman before then. Who was Adam West? I don't know. Yeah, what? Uh, so, uh, there there seems to be no uh, outward reason to put these two <laughs> movies together, except an animal and man after it. Yes. That's um, pretty much it, though, right? Like, there's very little other reason to put these together. You, you know, <laughs> you make a good point, Kate. Uh, I, I will say, though, um, you know, part of it is the merging of universes. Uh, Spider-Verse obviously merges a ton of universes together. Uh, well, if you haven't seen Spider-Verse, don't listen to this episode yet. Go see Spider-Verse. Yeah, in it's general. It's available streaming now. It's great. It is. In general, you're going to be pretty lost listening to any of these episodes without having seen the movie first. I don't think that's the case. We go through the plot. 20 years ago. In two minutes. Okay. Well, anyway, the the, obvious reason is these are two superhero movies Um, and actual superheroes, not Hercules, who's kind of based on a superhero. Yeah, these are for realties, super. Comic book superheroes. Super gentlemen. Mm hmm. Um,. Who both have had enormous franchises built around them. TV, mm-hmm. movies, comic books, video games, all of the things. They're they're both cultural icons. Towels. Towels, yeah, merchandise. Um and sleepwear. Yeah. You can keep listing things. I'm gonna go on and keep listing the whole of my brother's possessions throughout childhood, because they were all superhero themed. But they are Underpants. as pants. As Dick mentions, they are kind of combining multiple universes mm-hmm. um, of kind of iterations of these heroes. We were we had originally thought about doing Batman Mask of the Phantasm mm-hmm. with Spider-Verse. And upon talking to my uh, superhero aficionado brother, he recommended uh, Return of the Joker, which I had not seen. I saw Mask of the Phantasm growing up, mm-hmm. um, but he recommended this movie as kind of another, you know, multiple worlds kind of collide and i would say that this is a a better match for Mm spider-verse though not as good a movie mask of the phantasm is i don't so good have you seen it recently Uh, i the most recently i've seen it was maybe five years ago but i still really enjoyed that's pretty recently because one of the things we'll talk about later is that there's a specific pacing to this batman iterate like the whole Mm -hmm. from animated series to batman beyond that just kind of is a little bit jarring now, especially when compared to modern movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I didn't know if Mask of the Phantasm would have those issues sure. as well. But So we uh, uh, like to start by talking about where we were when we first experienced these movies. Um, what movie do we want to start with, Kate? Let's, uh, let's start with Spider-Verse. Great. Uh, it, so we, we saw this movie together. That's correct. Uh, just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we saw it in the theaters. Yes, there's a, a sort of frenetic, high-energy nature that I don't know if will be... The movie at, at points gets a little overwhelming visually and audially, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that is something that's 
easier to accomplish like on purpose it gets overwhelming yes and i think that's easier to accomplish in the theater than it is uh on a a smaller like tv screen right um not that i don't think this movie will hold up but i'm glad we saw it on the big screen Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. and it's just because it has the animation is very much an homage if not taking directly from literal comic book art Mm -hmm. you feel like you are in the comic book especially being that big of a screen everything else is black and the sound so i feel like yeah i would be interested to see this on even uh, on even like a pretty good home theater yeah because we can watch it again yeah well we will um yeah it's it's a it's a strong strong movie it is let's i mean basically the only other things i would have to share about my experience would be Mm -hmm. my like response to it so maybe Mm -hmm. we should just jump into the summary sure i will say though um that uh i was a little bit doped up at the time that's right um and in pretty constant pain because this is still during if if you've been listening to the saga of (laughs) uh my back surgery i had back surgery i saw this um, a few days before I actually had surgery. You, you saw it the day you learned that you would have surgery. Yes. So I'm in quite a bit of pain. Uh-huh. Um, I am a little tired from trying to walk around and climb stairs. Yeah, that was a uh, trick. So there are parts of this movie that I am sure I missed, but I'm going to do my damnedest to summarize All it. right. Awesome. Well, we got two minutes on the cookie timer. Ooh, we got a cookie timer going? We do. Did you know that other people in the world have this cookie timer on their phone? Do they call it the cookie timer? I hope so. They better. I recently heard it in a situation where it didn't come from my phone. I'm like, well, cookies are done. Wait, what? I forget that other people, anyone who has an Apple phone can access this this alarm. Anyway, uh, that's information that i learned recently. all right anyway dick begin all right so we are introduced to peter parker aka spider-man and he's like yo i'm not the best spider-man wait uh oh my god we start with a peter parker who is a spider-man yeah. we find out that things are going great for him he references spider-man 3 it makes me Cute. cry laugh uh and then we are introduced to Miles Morales, who's another Spider-Man. I think we see two Peter Parkers, then a Miles Morales. Anyway, the point is Miles Morales is our main Spider-Man in this story. Miles Morales is going to a new school. He's not yet a Spider-Man. He's just a kid. Uh, he like hangs out with his uncle. He teaches him to graffito tag uh, property. And <laughs> he gets bit by a radioactive spider. Hey. You know, um, He gets some spider powers, but here's the thing. Miles Morales has a Spider-Man in his universe. Peter Parker exists. So Miles Morales is like, wait, I'm another Spider-Man? But the Peter Parker in his universe gets killed by the Kingpin, who's creating a multiple universe searching machine to find his uh, daughter or his um, wife and son who were killed uh, in like a car accident once they realized what a horrible person he was. Um, so, uh, oh my God, there's so much plot. Uh, Miles Morales meets a different Peter Parker and then he meets, uh, Gwen Stacy and then he meets robot girl, Spider-Man. 
He meets Spider-Ham and uh, Nick, Nick Cage, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He meets a bunch of Spider-Men. They team up. Miles Morales uh, becomes cool at being Spider-Man, gets some powers, and then takes down the Kingpin. Also, his dad is a really nice guy, and his uncle ends up being the Night Stalker, Night Prowler. Yeah. Um, oh my god, there's so much plot. Anyway, cookies are done, so am I. Yeah. Whoa. It's a hard one to summarize. I could spend five minutes introducing characters in that right. movie. Right. I did not even get to like Aunt May and her secret spider yeah. lab. Uh, we didn't get to talk about... Like, a lot of it is the same story you already know, mm-hmm. right? Miles Morales is our main character. But like, you know... He's a kid. Uh, he doesn't like super get along with everyone. He gets spider powers. Things go crazy. He learns to use those powers. Like that thrust of the story is your basic Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But then all of this other stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wah. Yeah. And it ends up becoming, I feel like the that origin story is more of a, uh, setup or like circumstances for mm-hmm. a message of anyone can be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the represent. I mean, Miles Morales is uh, a an African American boy who lives in Brooklyn. He's in Brooklyn. I thought Queens. Peter Parker's Queens. Peter Parker's Queens. He's in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, he's in Brooklyn. Yeah, he's in Brooklyn. Um, you've got Gwen Stacy, who is a white girl. You've mm-hmm. got. Spider Ham, who is a cartoon pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, so I mean, that is a you know a joke with that, but like it really is the way it ends is well. And one of the Spider Mans is a spider, right? Right. Who lives inside of a robot and is best friends with an Asian girl? Is that what that is? That's it's a spider who lives inside a robot. Yeah. Okay. I don't Absolutely, know if it, was like, it is like a more of like a computer bug versus a spider bug. Uh, that's adorable. Yeah, and so it's like it's pulling from different, I feel like, eras. It's f- pulling from different cultures. Because that one, is, does it originate in Japan? Or is it kind of like a oh, just I have capitalizing no on Japanese culture? This is the first time I had seen that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I have okay. no idea what's going on there. Okay. I, so I read um, Spider-Man comic books for a while. But it's... Uh, it's difficult to keep up mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't know I just I just can't I just can't read comics anymore it's just too much it's too much to try and keep up with but yeah. I read Ultimate Spider-Man for a while which was um, uh, a Peter Parker and I read um, a little bit of the Miles Morales Spider-Man uh, just because it was really interesting and there was like a, an Indian Spider-Man that was a really cool um i don't know how long that run was or or or, or what but i read like the initial issue of that and it was just neat his costumes awesome yeah um just from a quick wikipedia search it looks like uh penny parker and sp slash slash dr how would you say that in computer speak spider spy oh that's cute so slash slash is i i don't kate i don't know (laughs) 
It's kind of. It looks like. I spider. think it's. I think it is a stylization. Got I don't it. think it's actual computer. Well, speak. No, it's not computer speak, but it's meant to. Anyway, it's an American creation. It's okay. in the Marvel Comics run at some point. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was just so neat. Like I came out of that movie, just. I feel like the last time I was that much like in awe of innovation in what could have been a very traditional movie, like in the theater in real time was Mm -hmm. inside out of like, just Mm. like, whoa, they're doing this now. Whoa, they're doing that. Whoa. Like (laughs) these are a lot of risks they're taking both like visually and creatively in a movie that is marketed very mainstream. Yeah. Um, so it's really neat. I, I would uh, similarly compare it, um, but to Mad Max Fury Road, which is like the first movie in a long time that I walked out of like shaking mm. with the intensity and excitement of mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think Spider-Verse, um, like just the intensity and the excitement and, and like the the energy that it puts into you. Like mm-hmm. I think Spider-Verse really... Uh, affected me in a, a similar way. Uh, really, really solid stuff. Yeah, and you know, for me, teaching kids in the Bronx who look like Miles Morales, you know, they knew him before this movie, but now all of my kids know Spider Verse, and just you know, Miles is. I think his last line is, you know, this just shows that anyone can be Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I hope you see that you can be Spider Man too, and it's just like. It's a little heavy-handed of a line, but it made me weep. I, I think the way it was delivered, mm-hmm. I, I think, like I think the line as written, I'm like, but like the way it was delivered didn't feel as no. heavy-handed. No, it wasn't like anybody can be Spider-Man. It's like, no, I can be Spider-Man. You could be Spider-Man. Yeah. like it's it's like encouraging, but also kind of matter of fact, mm-hmm. which I, I enjoyed. And I think the idea of not just I feel like recently there have been a lot of reboots that make people angry um it's not necessarily based on the quality of the reboot but there's like a we're taking ghostbusters and making them girls or we're taking are you suggesting that uh science fiction fantasy and especially comic book fans as of late uh are often uh racist sexist uh uh fools slash completely closed off to the idea of change Uh, that may be a, a thread of uh of uh, <laughs> reality. That's interesting. So I think this particular reboot does a good job of like, here's a variety of Spider-Man. Like we're not trying to erase anyone else's story because I think whether or not it's justified, that's maybe at the root of what the mm. like the complaining fans, like this character that they've grown attached to over time that does look like them often mm-hmm. um if that's going to be erased then i i there's a more nuanced conversation to have here a lot of them are just jerks but yeah i i think there's a less nuanced conversation i have here yeah a lot of them are just jerks <laughs> um uh, so anyway let's it's great let's move on let's move on and talk about uh another uh comic book a movie mm-hmm. um called the batman's uh batman beyond return of the joker that's correct uh did you watch much batman beyond i did not i had kind of grow i i very much watched the animated series mm-hmm. like i imagine i've seen every episode of that show without really trying like yeah. it's we had the dvds much later 
like when it was like a remastery of them or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we watched it, you know, it was on every day after school. It was on whatever, like the WB did like Sunday's cartoons instead of Saturday. I think so, yeah. At that point in time. So we watched like both the old animated series and like that more kind of angular style animated series that came next. Sure. Um, and it's just like that's my, I, I mentioned in this particular movie the the there's there's Batman Beyond, which is like then the next generation, but there's also Bruce Wayne Batman in it, and it's played by Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman in both of these animated series. And as soon as I hear that voice, it's like, oh, that's my Batman. It's like, oh, Batman's like, that, here. That is Batman. Like yeah. more than Adam West, more than any of the live action guys. Like. Mm-hmm. No, that that's how Batman sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is just imitating that. Uh, so while I had like a working knowledge of Batman Beyond, I actually did not see this movie. I did see Mask of the Phantasm as a child, mm-hmm. but not this one. And this, the first time you saw it then was For right this here podcast, with me. Yeah. yeah, but it felt like nothing was unfamiliar about it. Because I had seen Batman Beyond, I had seen yeah. the animated series, so it felt very much like a. It was characters we knew, mm-hmm. and and I I I'm a little bit more familiar with Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched some of it during its initial run. I did not watch every episode, but I definitely watched some of it. I, I was always a big fan of the um, the the DC cartoons, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know. Uh, there's arguments to be had, um, but like I think Marvel has generally led the pack in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the but, live action. Yeah, but DC uh, has just been so good at cartoons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I definitely watched some Batman Beyond. There's definitely, like, the backgrounds are lovely. They're, like, mm-hmm. watercolor, beautiful, whereas, yeah. like... I'm thinking of that like Spider-Man Saturday morning cartoon and it was just like all very thick outline like <laughs> like no yeah. dimensions to it. Yeah. Uh yeah. So where did is this the first time that you had seen Return of the Joker or had you seen yes, it? Yes, this is the this is the first time I've seen Return of the Joker. Um and to give uh to continue to give context as to my mental state at this um <laughs> we watched this pre-surgery that's correct uh while i was living on our couch for a couple of weeks that's correct and i have no idea what kind of shape i was in but i stayed awake through the entire movie Mm -hmm. uh which was impressive uh for the time (laughs) um and i remember most of it it's a little it's you know we'll we'll talk about the difference between like a more for tv versus more Mm -hmm. for theatrical release but it it is it does lend itself a little bit to you can stop paying attention for a while and still get the gist. Yes. So it was probably a good choice for yeah. that time. Anyway, I'm going to try to summarize this. Go for it. I'm you got a cookie timer? Big beats, but I'm going to miss a lot. I do like watching this movie. I think I had seen parts of it in passing. There were scenes that looked familiar, and it's probably like. My brother was watching it downstairs and I was going through the room. Like, I don't think I ever sat down to watch it, but there but like, are some, it was on. some beats that made sense, to like, that seemed familiar to me. Interesting. I do have a cookie time set. All right. Are we ready to go? Three, two, one, Batman. It's Batman, but beyond. 
Uh, uh, Terry McGinnis is a teen, early 20. Anyway, anyway, he's taken on the Batman Beyond mantle lately because Bruce Wayne has retired. He is old, but he is still mentoring uh, Terry. And uh, Terry's having issues with like balancing his work and uh, his work life balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a girlfriend, but he's very sleepy when they go out to these like weird empty '90s clubs. Yes, um, because he spends all night being new Batman. Anyway, it opens with this kind of uh, not necessary sequence with some henchmen, but. It's weird because these henchmen are like clearly reporting to someone, but they don't know who. Turns out it's the Joker. But wait, the Joker was killed like 50 years ago. What? So Batman, uh, old Batman, Bruce, becomes kind of obsessed with figuring out who this new Joker is because you flash back and he like definitely killed the Joker because the Joker had kidnapped new Robin, (laughs) which was Timmy Drake. Um... And he like uh, brainwashed him and turned him into a mini Joker in a real frightening scene. And so to kind of uh, get back at him and make sure he doesn't do anything else to Tim, he Batman uh, kills the Joker. And it's like Batman doesn't kill people. So this is uh, notable and he doesn't talk about it. But this is like he can't let this guy be living. So... They try to figure out who it is, and you go through a couple theories, and you're working with Commissioner Gordon, which is now Barbara Gordon, former Batgirl. So she's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, helping Bruce kind of work through these memories or kind of tell Terry McGinnis. Anyway, uh, it turns out it's old Timmy Drake. He oh. never uh, undid the brainwash because the Joker planted a gene splicer in him, and so Batman Beyond has to unfortunately kill the Joker part, but Timmy Drake Cookies is are done. still Cookies are done. okay. He separates them out. Yeah. It's it's a little less it's it's more about like memories and grudges and legacy than a specific like beating the bad guy. But it's also because it's Joker and because it's Mark Hamill's Joker, it's like this uh, it, It's really about having the Joker in it somehow. It is. Like, like that's it's it's about having that voice in it somehow. Anything yeah, when when Mark Hamill's still got many good years left in this world. Yeah. But when he doesn't, we can't make animated Batman anymore. Like there's no more animated Batman. That's true. Once Mark Hamill can't record <laughs> that part. Well, there's no more animated Joker. Yeah, that's Joker is completely retired. Yeah. yeah. So um, just to add uh, a little bit of context, uh, if I am remembering correctly, Mm -hmm. the Jokers are a gang in the Batman Beyond universe. Oh, okay. Um, So you see like the the Jokers uh, or Joker boys or or something like that. Yeah. Um, So you see them in this movie like being a little more violent, being a little more uh, calculated than they have been. So like it's like uh, it's it's interesting because it's like you, you always kind of hope the Joker is going to appear, uh, but right, you know, Joker is not a character in the Batman Beyond universe right. until this movie, right? And he's, which is interesting because like dead. every right, but like every Batman has a Joker, yeah. Like so, it's I didn't I had not realized that it's strange to not have him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you need, I mean, I think that's, you know, Batman Joker is, I mean, obviously there's a reason Batman has survived for decades and decades. And one of the reasons I think is this is the 
archetypal hero villain foil mm-hmm. is that Batman is all about control and creating things to to help and having an organized system of computers and technology and Joker is just pure uncalculated chaos Mm -hmm. like sometimes calculated but sometimes not and just random and there's no reason behind it and it drives Batman crazy and it's so good like it's such a good relationship and dynamic uh and that and that gets exploited here that even like retired Batman cannot let this go because it's more chaos it doesn't make sense yeah he needs to get the disco strangler Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yes Nine nine. Nine nine. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's a fine movie. Yeah. Um, I have you know I have some some qualms with the editing, which is super slow. I mean, the editing reflects Batman the animated series at large, from my memory. Mm-hmm. We a couple months ago we like found some episodes of Batman the animated series for nostalgia's sake and watched them and there was a there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of so there's a lot of silence. It's not Miyazaki silence though. It's Yeah. Like we didn't have enough dialogue to fill this time, so we're going to make the time between lines very long. Yeah, I don't remember how long this movie is, but It's like an hour 15. I can I can say like if you tightened up the editing on like the dialogue, yeah, you'd lose five minutes on the movie. Oh, at least, like at least, I think just like it under an hour. <laughs> it's just like a second a line. Yeah, you know, um, there's never like overtalk. There's never like quick banter. Mm-hmm. It's always someone talks. We cut to the next person. Mm-hmm. That person talks. We cut to the first person. That person talks. It's like it's just it's a very weird directing and editing. And it's always very, with the exception of Mark Hamill, very understated line reads too. Like, uh, we we never ended up looking at this up, but the Barbara Gordon's mm-hmm. voice is very like she never betrays any emotion, even when maybe she is animated too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's the not casting the best. is is a hit and miss. Yeah, and it's you know uh, uh, that that is not to to say that. It's it's not a, a fun watch. Uh, there's a lot of it I really liked, mm-hmm. um, but that that editing took a little while to get used to. Um, and uh, I will say, like the twist was a real bummer because Kate had you had come up with well a way better twist that I was way more interested in and made more sense. Yeah, I thought there were a bunch of red herrings, and mm-hmm. I thought the actual twist that. It is Tim Drake that like, well, and and it's even like less fun than what it could have been. Right. Which is that like he just had this repressed brainwashing that came out, but it's a literal like computer chip in his neck yeah. that implants the Joker into him. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah, so but it's like, not even it like It would a- have been better if it was like um, how they do the ventriloquist villain. Sure. Where it's a, sp- a split personality. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it could have been like which, a, like the psychological research on could that have been like a, a metaphor for sketchy. PTSD or something. Right, right, right. Which would have been interesting. Tim Drake was tortured by the Joker for a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. Now it's starting to come back. Something triggers it. It's just a literal microchip. Yeah. But what was what was your theory on who my, Joker was? My theory. So you you go to this flashback scene that it's the scene of like they find out Tim Drake has been kidnapped and turned into like a literal like mini Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, like white face, green hair, everything, um, by 
Harley Quinn and the Joker and they're acting like as this deranged family unit. Um, while the in in uh, true uh, traditional superhero fashion, uh, the boy hero fights the boy villain while the girl hero fights the girl villain. Of course. So Batgirl and Harley Quinn go out to this like canyon right outside the Joker's lair and they have a fight and Harley Quinn falls off a canyon ledge and you it's presumed that like well that's the end of Harley Quinn she's gone but she just like falls into blackness but falling off a cliff is always a sign that that person is still alive right so i posited that maybe it was Harley Quinn who is doing a really great Joker impression, maybe with some technology. Which, like, she's got kind of the face for it. She's like, got she the just years adds some prosthetics. Of, yeah. She being, knows him mm-hmm. better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was really hoping it would be Harley Quinn. Because Tim Drake's face, like, he's got like a a fat round face yeah and a fat round body like and it, then there's when a the lot microchip of... changes him into the joker he literally turns into the joker yeah his like physical stature but morphs. a slightly aged version of the joker yeah with like slicked backed hair it doesn't and for a while make i thought a lot it was of sense. there's a weird like now looking back on it, it it's weird because it doesn't tie into the rest of the movie there's a subplot of wayne technologies being taken over by kind of a young, slick, upstart who's, like, been on the board for a while, but, like... That would have been a great villain, But he's got the same hair as the Mm -hmm. Joker, so I thought maybe it's him. And even, like, the movie goes through almost all of the red herrings that I had come up with. Except for... Except for Harley Quinn as the Joker. Well, and red herring. And red... The the often accused villain of a pup named Scooby-Doo. Oh, good. Yeah. Um... I know that term from actually the Almost Got Him episode oh. that we had on Book on Tape. Well, there we go. There was an episode of Batman on Book on Tape that I was more familiar with. And then I think I saw the episode later. It was like a comic book and uh-huh. a cassette. It was neat. And they were like, oh, it's a TV show too. Oh, this hits This hits all the same beats. All right. <laughs> um, it's a literal recording of the episode. Like nice. that's, um Anyway, that's how I know Red Herring. Nice. So... Uh, um, uh, like you said, at the top, we like to compare, contrast, and Venn diagram these two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about some of the ways we can do that. I, I would say, like, first and foremost, let's compare our heroes, uh, the way they're introduced, and the way their story is resolved. Because I think a yeah. superhero story, like, first and foremost, is the hero either learning a lesson or in some cases teaching us a lesson through, you know, it's kind of a morality play. We learned something. So we've got um, Batman Beyond. I forget his name already. Uh, Stuart McGillicuddy. Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis. I was pretty close. Uh, We've got Terry McGinnis who starts out his problem. His stated problem is work-life balance. Right. Right. You you so you come into the story in medias res in terms of uh, in terms of Terry McGinnis as Batman right Spider Verse is an origin story right plus some um, uh, Return this of the Joker is This assumes that you not. know what's going on yeah uh, Return of the Joker is maybe origin of trauma story no. <laughs> but you it's I assume I think it is fairly assumed 
that because this is a direct-to-DVD and presumably televised as well, that yeah. you've been watching Batman Beyond. It feels like a two- or three-part episode. Right. Yeah. It does. It really does. Uh, so, right, his stated problem is work-life balance. and uh, and we're- But the story is not about Terry McGinnis. No. He's like a... He's a... Ron Weasley, he's your observer. Yeah, which is which is interesting because the show is about him. Yeah, but no. I it, also, the I, show is about the him. show is about him. Yes, yeah. I think I don't think the movie is wrong that he is far less interesting than either of the other main characters in this yeah, movie. I, it's it's a commonly understood fact that Batman is the least interesting part of any Batman story. Yes, unless. It's Batman Beyond. Unless and then Batman, Batman. Then Batman is way more interesting right. than Terry McGinnis. Right. Right. Um, and in general, I, I, Batman Beyond gets high praise from Batman fans mm-hmm. as a series. Um, I never really, like, I feel like Terry McGinnis was very much an everyman of movies and TV shows around this time period. Where like he's voiced by Will Friedle, who was the older funny brother on Boy Meets World. Like, uh, there's kind of like this tongue in cheekness of the dialogue, and there's not a real personality other than I am a young man. Like, would you say that he's interchangeable with Zach from Ferngully? Yes, I would say he's interchangeable with Zach from Ferngully. <laughs> I would say he's also interchangeable with like, at least of the of the television series, the Peter Parker of the television series, mm-hmm. who doesn't have a lot of like the pathos and background of maybe our hero from titan ae maybe oh let's uh, not bring titan (laughs) ae into this at least there are some like character points and like oh yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not slamming uh he's got a similar mushroom to be clear again i'm not slamming batman but terry mcginnis is uh very interchangeable he might have he's a blank slate yeah he might have some more characteristics in the television show. Right. I don't know so much. But in this movie, which is what we watched. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, he's he's tired. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend wants him to be less tired. Yeah. Um, he gets fed up with Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and quits. Mm-hmm. Then he's less tired. Kind of like his story could end there because the problem's solved. But then he doesn't have a job. Yeah. That That's a problem yeah. eventually. Yeah. But I, he seems like a nice, uh, capable I mean, young been, man. He could probably been, get a regular job. Yeah, he's been like an exec. I don't know what he's called like on the books. Yeah. But it seems like he's been an executive assistant to Bruce Wayne for three years yeah. or whatever. But he can get another job. Yeah. Well, and and I feel like there's a thread of he can't live up to the like the responsibility of the job of Batman. Sure. Um. But you also see that this job of Batman essentially broke Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's interesting. Like his Batcave is filled with like villain memorabilia, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and a dog. Yeah, there's a dog. Like it seems like an okay dog. Yeah. But. Um. So I think. I dogs mean, in you, the workplace, I just don't agree with. Would do you think? And this might be generous, but do you think? Uh, where do you think Terry McGinnis ends up at the end of his character arc in this movie? It might be generous to call it an arc. I don't know. Like, so at the end of the movie, he comes back as Batman right. and helps defeat the Joker. 
And I, I feel like his, his, so his story is tied to Bruce Wayne's where yeah. like Bruce has to kind of get past and maybe talk about some trauma in order to maintain the connections to the people he does care about. Like he hadn't talked to Tim Drake since that incident, right? Or like had maybe tried a few times, but Tim was like an up and down situation, which is understandable after being and Tim, abducted and brainwashed. Tim doesn't want to deal with that. No. Yeah. So he's got a life now. Yeah. But like Bruce would not talk to him for yeah. like the last 30 years or so. He won't talk about the Joker. So I feel like where Bruce ends up at the end of it is after Tim is like released from the Joker chip. Mm-hmm. Um, he finally does visit him in the hospital, which is like surprising to everyone. Right. So there's almost a thread of family is most important and, you know, the family you choose versus, you, you know, whatever that is. Like, like a little, loved Lilo, ones. Little, little, little Lilo and Stitch. Little Lilo and Stitch. Little uh, Arrested Development sure. family <laughs> breakfast. Sure. <laughs> sure. Most important things. Yeah, I, I think there's that. I think there's a little bit of a... Um, deal with things instead of letting them ferment deal with things and attend to both sides like both attend to the work attend to the people outside the work because if batman had been focused on the people instead of the work he Mm -hmm. would have talked to tim more right and then tim would not have ended up in the shape that he did Mm -hmm. maybe but also he was implanted with a chip so i don't yeah, again, that that microchip kind of ruins yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Because it's it's no longer like, oh, Batman could have solved this by talking to him sooner. Like, well, only if he, in talking to him, noticed that there was a microchip that would eventually turn him into the Joker because the Joker's mind is in the microchip and, and also his transforms his body. Yeah, there's something, there's like a genetic He wears, he wears like slacks. He wears like a suit and slacks. He doesn't wear jeans. Mm. Boom! It's like a genetic component to it. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of messes it all up. But it's really the Bruce Terry dynamic, I guess, that you're supposed to kind of pay attention to by the end. Yeah. Because Bruce says something to him like at that hospital scene that's like, you know, you were afraid of living up to the suit but it's the opposite like batman is whoever you are not you are batman and i think that line made me think of spider-verse like spider it's not you are whatever this you know you know blue sky version of spider-man is spider-man is you is yeah you're not spider-man spider-man is you you're not batman batman is yeah you you are yourself this batman is what you bring to the table as batman this hero mantle is not this prescribed set of traits Hmm. but it is kind of just an uh it's just that it's a mantle on top of the person yeah i i I think batman beyond like um i mean I, i i Again, I think Bruce is the more interesting part of the story, mm-hmm. but he's also not super featured. Right. But the the idea, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing about the show and, and the interesting thing about the movie is the dynamic of Bruce both employing this guy to be the new Batman and being protective of him. Mm-hmm. Um and seeing him deal with someone else dealing with what he's dealt with, you know, for his entire life or mm-hmm. for most of his adult life. Um, and I think that to a point we do explore that, 
not always successfully, but I think we do explore that. Yeah. And I, th- I think the kind of, yeah, so like you were saying, the kind of resolution is one, like, you are not the job. The job is what you bring to the mm-hmm. table. And I think, like, I don't know if Bruce really changes from there. I, I yeah. don't feel like he does. Not so much. Like he's he goes to the hospital that, with Tim, but yeah, I, I don't think he does it again. That incident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like more, it's a lighter moral, more in line with an animated TV episode sure. than a feature length film. Right. Um, but going to Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. um, I, it's interesting. Like you said, it's kind of a similar moral. It's kind of a, you know, you're like Spider-Man is what you make of it. Mm-hmm. Like, look, these are all different Spider-Mans mm-hmm. and ladies mm-hmm. and spiders. And hams. And hams. And they all like bring something different to the table. But the important part is that they're like doing something good. And there's a there's repeated uh, motivic work around choices. You know, the uh, dad says it's all what you choose to do. It's, um, you know, your choices that matter. And you see that very briefly with, like, the uncle who... Mm -hmm. uh, I was asking my brother, because Miles Morales is a whole, you know, comic arc before this. Sure. And I was asking him how much of this origin story is, you know, from the comics and how much is kind of brushed over. He's like, yeah, the uncle is a big deal. They kind of hit the major beats in the movie, but there's a lot more to it. But I feel like there's, you know, the uncle is making choices. Miles is making choices. Mm-hmm. E- like the dad is making choices. Kingpin is making choices. We don't delve into as much of Kingpin as maybe we could have. But there's also a lot of other things going on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Miles is, I mean, I, I guess Miles' initial problem is not Fitting in, not understanding who he is, and also like, um, not wanting like it's it's like the the initial problem I feel is like he moves to a new school. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be at that new school. He wants to be at his old school. Mm-hmm. So in order to uh, go back to his old school, he tries to fail at the new school. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So I think it's like not wanting to use his power. Not wanting to use his power, and it, so it's interesting as as a New York City public schools teacher, right. he's his parents get him into like a prestigious Brooklyn charter school. Yeah, so which so is very interesting. This is something that was very New Yorky, mm-hmm. and, and a line that I feel was like maybe a throwaway line, but he says that he, he like won a lottery to get into the school. Can right. you like explain a little bit about what that? Yeah, middle school charters are a little bit different, but a charter school in New York, the most common type of charter school is actually a public school. So anyone can attend, but they only have so many slots. And because there are a bunch of other zoned public schools in the same neighborhood, they do a lottery system where, where the family applies for their student to get in. And then, you know, a percentage, however many seats they have get, get, you know, Mm -hmm. raffled. Um, and those kids get the seats and the, you know, what the charter school says is once your kid has a seat in this school, they're like set for life, 
Whether or not that's true and backed up by the data is uh, still, uh, uh, the jury's still out <laughs> on science. I have a less nuanced take on this as well, uh, uh, but go ahead. So it just there are good publics, there are bad publics, <laughs> there are good charters, there are bad charters. Right. But Miles specifically says this is like, I don't want to be part of this like elitist culture. Mm-hmm. So which is interesting because he feels like the his new school does not represent him mm-hmm. as well as the old school. He feels, you know, like he re- like that resonates with him, the culture of it and the, the people in it resonate with him. And this is he's trying to kind of fit his square peg into a round hole, um, even though he is very bright, he he very clearly could succeed at the school. Yeah. He's, he's got the, the academics and the um, everything he needs to succeed. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he kind of sabotages himself because he'd rather be what he has always been um, as opposed to taking on. And, and, you know, I hesitate to extend this to a metaphor to, of, you know, Spider-Man because like, you know, in this world, what Spider-Man does is objectively good, even though it's colored by the sure. society. So I don't want to say that, like, well, like, rising to the standards of a charter school objectively makes you better. Like, but uh, but okay. uh, applying yourself fully. Yes, applying maybe. yourself fully in a challenging environment. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he's, uh, you know, his parents have worked very hard to, to set him up for success. And, like, whether or not he's happy with the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like the, the right thing in this situation is to work hard right, and, and excel. You're like, still a kid. You don't really get to call the shots. Yeah. <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, so his, his initial problem is, is that. And maybe, like, not fitting in or... I'm not sure if it's that so much as, as much as just, like no adolescent in the middle of puberty fits in. I don't think he's necessarily like a Peter Parker type nerd. Yeah. Um, you see situations where like he wants to like flirt with the girl and he asks his uncle for advice and like he botches it comically. It's like, lovely. But that's like, I don't feel like he's unique in that situation. I think yeah. what's unique is that he is new to the school and everyone else has been there before. So right. it's more of an outsider thing than a, I am a geek and everyone else is popular. Yeah. And, and he, uh, I think, wants to connect. Like, I, I think part of his thing with his uncle is connecting back with his neighborhood and back with, you know, the people he knows. Um, mm-hmm. But the resolution of the movie is that, you know, he's given the powers of a sp- Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very good at defeating crime mm-hmm. and being a Spider-Man is kind of what you put into it. It's what you put into it and, you know, linking it back to the Batman Beyond moral that you can be a hero and also yourself. One of the neat moments in the movie for me is like after the big climax and after the villains have been defeated, his dad, who's a police officer, is there kind of, you know, scanning the aftermath of the situation and, mm-hmm. you know, like thanks Spider-Man, even though he has a contentious history, you know, the, the police department has a contentious history with the character of Spider-Man um, and 
Miles as Spider-Man, still dressed as Spider-Man, uh, gives the dad a big hug. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the dad doesn't know it's his son, uh, but, but it's, it's neat that really like sweet after this big like stressful incident and he has saved the world essentially, that he's like still is like. And now I'm gonna hug my dad. That yeah. was a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, I think you made an interesting point, which is uh, uh, that he can put his own stamp on what he's doing. He can still be himself, even though he's this other thing. Mm-hmm. And so, even though initially I was, I was thinking that the the kind of setup did not really hit the payoff. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it kind of is because mm-hmm. at the end he's like. Yeah, now I'm fitting in at the school. I'm hanging out with my roommates. Like, I've made some friends and yeah. I'm Spider-Manning. Yeah. But he's like, look, just because I'm part of this school doesn't mean I can't be me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's part of what he hated about the school is like he felt like he couldn't be himself. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I feel like there are a lot of this. This movie is um a lot of the people at the creative helm are people of color, mm-hmm. uh, which is yes. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're going to direct a movie about a protagonist of color, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great idea. It's a great choice. Uh, love you, Musker. Love you, Clements. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, also. So, wait, they I, didn't just hire like one Taiwanese a black guy. Friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mulan. So I think there are some major, you. and you know, I you know. This is apparent on the surface, but the more we're talking about it, there are some major and like complex and nuanced that, you know, as two white people, we can't fully understand. Um, This is a movie very much about code switching and about being one person in one environment and having Mm -hmm. to adapt to the language and the kind of formalities of another culture to be able to, you know, achieve Mm -hmm. and succeed and forward yourself. And that you don't have to give up any of that. And you can, you know, work at creating your own, you know, maybe you won't ever succeed in making those code switches one Unicode. (laughs) Right. Um, But you can start to take ownership of that and, you know, kind of smooth out who you are in every situation. So it's not so jarring. Um, It's, it's, you know, I... I follow a lot of people. I try to follow a lot of people not like me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And um, in particular, I feel like I'm seeing people of color really respond. Like, just like, this movie is revelatory. It's not just like, oh, this is a cool use of animation and neat for representation. It's like, no, like, this movie is extraordinarily powerful. You also, uh, uh, again, teach in the Bronx. have your students uh, seen this? Like your your fourth or fifth graders? They've seen it. I haven't talked to them at length about it. Mm-hmm. It's more like uh, they'll be like, "Have you heard the song Sunflower?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's a from Spider Man movie." They're like, "Yeah," and I'll say like, "I saw it. It was amazing." They're like, "Yeah." <laughs> um, I I imagine uh, we talked on a recent episode about Kiki's delivery service and mm-hmm. how. Even though she's 13, her journey very much resonates with like the early 20s, you know, Mm -hmm. story of moving, you know, transitioning from basically like schooling to the workplace and a new city. And I feel like this movie maybe, you know, and and who knows, just like with with Inside Out, how it might give a language and a vocabulary to kids or 
you know, transitioning teens who are going through these things Mm -hmm. to kind of have a a language around it to describe what they're feeling. But I also feel, and maybe it's because I am adult, an adult, that there are metaphors for beyond the teenage years here in how to navigate different worlds that you're part of. Sure. Um, Also, just a one-off, I thought it was very funny. Like most Marvel heroes gain their powers or become different from everyone else in their teens. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like uh, whether, depending on the hero, depending on your interpretation, um, uh, that could be like, uh, you know, uh, someone realizing that they're gay for the first time Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, uh, whatever. But uh, in some ways it's puberty. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like very much that Miles gains his spider powers and then like blames some stuff on. He's like, oh, no, it's just puberty. Uh, I <laughs> That's mean, why my hand is sticking to this girl's hair. <laughs> I mean, I don't have it. I mean, no, I've already had it. I mean, I. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, his awkward teenness is, mm, is beautiful. Yeah. Um, the villains of this movie uh, are. The villain. Yeah, there, the there's, a, there's a there's, sequence. There's so a bunch. Who, okay, who else do you see in this movie? You see we've Green got, Goblin. We've got yeah, yeah. Briefly. Green Goblin's like there, but it's it's Kingpin. Kingpin's the main one. It's Doc Ock. Yep. And um, uh, uh, Night 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 Prowler. And that's Crawler the thing. Is uh, Spider Man's uncle? Night Prowler is a thing. Yeah. Is I've, it a thing in Peter Parker's Spider Man? Yeah, he's he's he is a character, and I'm going to confirm his name yep, no problem. because this is a little embarrassing. He kind of he's like hooded. He like growls kind of like an angry cat, and like breathes heavy and stalks. In this movie, stalks uh, Miles with like wordlessly, so uh, super creepy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then like. I feel like, is it in the first, you, you see either in this like kind of multiverse kind of blank slate dimension or in um, the the like one minute backstories of the um, each of the Spider-Mans, you kind of see a villain. Um, Green Goblin's there. He's like very big. So I, I, that confused me. Yeah. I mean, there's. All of the villains are weird. Kind there's, of there's like a billion different Spider-Man comics. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I, I am sorry. It's just the pro the prowler. Okay. I thought it was night prowler. There's night crawler. I know there's night crawler. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently just the prowler. Okay. Anyway, um, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a real jerk. Um, so we got the, the main villains are the prowler, the kingpin and Mm -hmm. Doc Ock. Doc it it Ock. seems like Doc Ock and Prowler are working for They're working Kingpin. for Kingpin, yeah, in yeah. this situation. Um, Doc Ock, in this case, is a scientist who um, Peter Parker, or sorry, Miles Morales, mm-hmm. ah, um, sees like a video of mm-hmm. in school and kind of is impressed by her and looks up to her. By her. By her. Oh, yeah, also by her. That's fun. Um, and she uh, is like, kind of a kooky she's a kooky uh, like and she previews the concept of like multiple dimensions mm-hmm. and like a time space continuum thing um 
it reminds me of some scenes of like Donnie Darko in that respect that like there's mm. this like really smart person talking about time space continuum and you know it's going to come up later but you mean Patrick just... Swayze yeah uh, Patrick yes, Swayze you do and no he doesn't talk he's like the motivational speaker he doesn't talk about Damn that it, stuff you're right it's uh, like Noah Wiley I just love Patrick Swayze and no he's great in that movie that movie's doesn't hold up as much as you No, it's it a well. bad movie. Um, but uh, uh, so we've got Doc Ock, mm-hmm. who's, who's a lady. I forget who plays her, but if it was live action, it would be Judy Greer. Um, no, I totally would. We've got um, the Prowler, mm-hmm. who also works for Kingpin mm-hmm. and also happens to be uh, Miles's uncle. His super cool uncle. And then mentor. We've, we've got Kingpin himself, who mm-hmm. uh, I love. The look of this kingpin, because he's a big tubby boy. Big shoulders, tiny head. <laughs> yeah, he looks great. It's like, it is one of my favorite. I love kingpin as a character in general. Uh, I love the look of him in general, but this is a great looking kingpin. It's the whole, the, the character design of this whole movie is very yeah. cool and stylized. Yeah. Like both in the real world and in this like multiverse mm-hmm. it's it's good it's just interesting to watch yeah um doc ock i feel like is just kind of after science mm-hmm. uh and like that's kind of it yeah uh the prowler is does he have like motivation as a bad guy that we're aware of i think in the comics yes sure but in the in movie. this movie not so much there's just a reveal and i think these two reveals are fun sure that like this scientist lady oh she's doc uh, yeah it's cool it's great <laughs> i did not expect it mm-hmm. it was super fun because yeah. she's set up as kind of a kooky lady and yeah. you're like oh she's nice and then all of a sudden and like she is not nice they try to steal her technology and then there are tentacles and you're like oh shit oh um and then, and then Kingpin, mm-hmm. whose motivation is he, uh, his wife and son walked in on him fighting Spider-Man mm-hmm. and they kind of realized that he's a bad guy. Right. And they, they ran away from him. Race off in a car. And then get in an accident and die. Mm-hmm. He's trying to find an alternate universe where they are still alive. Right. Um, really good villain motivation. Mm-hmm. Um. And and it ties into the theme of choices and choosing who you are. And he has a fundamental misunderstanding of yeah. what that means. And, you know, there there's a scene where they kind of like flip in and out of uh, several universes because the mm-hmm. machine is like breaking. And he and Spider-Man are dueling in a subway car. And all of a sudden his wife and son show up and the same thing happens. Right. They're like, like the, his, you know history plays itself out again and so there's this idea of if you're not making different choices mm-hmm. the outcome is still going to be the same and and kingpin doesn't yeah. understand that um our villains in um batman into the batverse into the batverse are joker joker the jokers yeah joker his henchmen his henchmen which is um, normal and kind of the actual Joker and Harley Quinn, because there is yeah. a 20-minute flashback. It's a pretty long... like that's, It is an episode-long flashback. That's one of the three episodes. <laughs> yeah, um, which is 
really fun. Oh, it's really fun. Like, I- um, but yeah. So, so the main villain is Tim Drake as Joker. I mean, it's, it's Joker. It's not Joker. Is right. Is the, uh, taking over. Oh yeah, it Tim is Drake's still Joker. Body. It's That's a host right. body. Um, so our main villain is the Joker, but it's not. Most of the movie is trying to figure out who the villain is. Right. We think it's the Joker. It looks like the Joker. It mm-hmm. walks like a Joker. Yeah. But Joker's dead. But Joker's dead. So I don't feel like we get a lot of villain motivation until the end. Yeah. Yes and no. And I think that's one of the neat things about the Joker is that he doesn't have to have, like, the point is that he doesn't have motivation. Right. And he does a little bit. Explain what you mean by the end. Like, uh, until it's confirmed even that the Joker is the Joker Mm -hmm. and it's not just someone else. A copycat, yeah. Right. I think a lot of the movie we are searching for, Mm -hmm. um, since we're searching for who the villain is, we're searching for what the motivation of the villain is. We're like, oh, it's this other guy that's trying to take over Wayne Enterprises. Mm -hmm. Ah, no, it's not. Oh, it's Harley Quinn. Nope. Ah, no, it's not. And then finally, oh, it's legitimately the Joker. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe even with, I I think maybe, you know, what you described is a little bit more satisfying than what happens that like, maybe there need to be like two and a half beats of red herring mm -hmm. before that. No, it's just the Joker. Yeah. And I feel like we only get maybe one and a half because it's like Tim Drake, but not, but it is. Yeah. With that Harley Quinn one, maybe it would just drive home the point because the way you're describing it. And I think this is partway successful in the movie that we kind of step into that Bruce Wayne mentality of there has to be a reason. Right. There ha- like the Joker is dead. There's like, there's no one else like him. So there has to be a reason that someone would act. Oh no, it's just still chaos. It's just him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the chaos. It's just Joker doing his Joker thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's cool to see the Joker. But it is it, it does lack a little bit of I think what made um, Spider Verse really compelling, mm-hmm. which is that you kind of feel for Kingpin, mm-hmm. like he's a bad guy, mm-hmm. but oh man, yeah, that sucks. His wife and kid died. There's a reason for it, and yeah, yeah, like I, I think the Joker generally like kind of has if he has a motivation we're not always sure what it is right um but at least we know it's the joke right so kind of like going through these motivations i i guess it 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 makes us be batman right it makes us be the detective Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't it doesn't leave a lot for us to empathize or sympathize with the villain because we don't know who the villain is for a while right no and i yeah in general, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing is that Marvel does a little bit better job, and intentionally so, of making both of their heroes and their villains more human. Mm-hmm. Just they have the same anxieties and pressures that we have. And DC Universe in general is a little bit more stylized, more heightened. There are some human components, and I feel like the most successful you know, uh, iterations of the franchise hit on that. But I do think there's a little bit of like 
Batman is ultimate order. There's a little bit more yeah. abstractness as opposed to humanizing of yeah. these villains of like they're more they more represent good and evil as opposed to people. Right. Um, and I think you see that in these two movies. And I think Batman has moments, mm-hmm. has scenes where it, it kind of hits at that. Um, but I think to expect the spectrum of motivation that Spider-Verse has is to maybe expect too much of DC. <laughs> or expect expect the wrong thing. Right. Right. Like if I am watching a detective story, mm. it's not necessarily going to be a coming of age tale. Like it's it's a different movie entirely. Right. Um, I will say like if, well, we'll, you know what? We'll talk about it when we get to, when we mm. get to doing the special editions. Cause yeah. I have some, I have some ideas for the Batman Beyond movie. All right. So my my big question, I mean, you know, we've mentioned so far throughout the conversation, you know, general things we know about DC, about Marvel, about Batman, about Spider-Man. My question is, and this is a large, maybe four-part question. <laughs> okay. If you are a total novice to both of these franchises... Mm. You don't know anything about Batman. You don't know anything about Spider-Man, about DC or Marvel. Do you, what What do you gain from these movies? So. Do you think there's a message here for someone with no background? I'm going to answer that in a couple of ways. Mm-hmm. So first I'll say, if you don't know anything about Batman, Batman Beyond is going to be a, a rough watch. I think so too. Uh, if you don't know anything about Batman Beyond, I think you can pick up. You're fine. Yeah, um, because I th- I think it it kind of goes over that. Um, so yeah, if like for some re- if for some reason Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, is your <laughs> first experience with Batman, <laughs> that's weird. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Please write to us. Uh, but I we'd can like see like it. you know like a foreign exchange student comes and it's a movie night like it's sure. a weird off movie night at a or, college campus like or I like don't know. a kid watches a movie right. on TV for the first time. Right. I, I think I've had plenty of interest to things where I watched like movie number six in a franchise. I'm like, oh, this sure. is great. Let's watch the other ones. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So if you are completely new to Batman, what do you get out of this? I think you, I think a lot of it gets lost on you. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it gets lost on you. Mm-hmm. I think you could take a couple of things away. Maybe I think you can take away uh, that Batman is cool. <laughs> I think you could take away that the Joker is... Like, I think you want to know more about the Joker always. at the end of this. I mean, everyone always. But, um, like, do you totally understand what's going on here? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? I think you would take, I think you'd be very confused, but I think you would take away more of these like kind of, uh, more of the human themes of it, Mm. of like, uh, past trauma and letting things go and like work life balance and letting yourself be the owner of your job, not the job. Maybe like, I don't know if the details then would, would, you know, sink that understanding in, in this way, I will compare uh our Batman movie uh to the Star Treks mm. 
Mm. Um, and our Spider-Man movie to Star Wars. Mm. In that, like, Batman is slow. It is a more calculated, mm-hmm. more maybe more deliberate, um, and very much like, here is information. Here is some stuff. We've talked about work-life balance, mm-hmm. right? Rather than a, we hope you feel something. Um, which Spider-Verse is very much like a, like, I think the, I think this movie would be overwhelming to anyone over the age of, I don't know, 36. I was overwhelmed <laughs> by it. Um, cause there's just a lot happening mm-hmm. visually, musically, um, uh, story-wise. There's like a billion characters um, but they are all <laughs> formally introduced, they, even if briefly. They are, but it is a whiplash yes, at yes. times to like, you know, jump from like sometimes because every, like you said, every character has that introduction where they're like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Spider-Ham. Here's my thing. Hey, I'm right. the girl who's friends with a robot mm-hmm. with a spider inside of it. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. But you can jump from like a serious scene or like a scary scene or something to that introduction and it can be whiplash. Yeah. Um, I think it's really brilliantly done, but I I could see um, viewers over a certain age or viewers not accustomed to that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just being like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I think I think the stylization is is exactly what you're describing. Yeah. I do think, however, that Miles's story is enough of an anchor mm-hmm. that if, like, you know, if this style is even, like, physically upsetting to you, like, if your eyes or stomach don't like it, you at least have Miles. Like, you can close your eyes for a few seconds, but Miles is a through line. Yeah. His story is introduced in a relatively visually pleasing mm-hmm. or familiar way. Um, and it's grounded in reality. It's grounded in family dynamics. And so I think that's what kind of anchors you through the chaos. Exactly. So like even if you are lost by all of that, the story, like the story of Batman is a, uh, of this Batman uh, movie is very detailed and you have to follow the things. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to pay attention. There are multiple timelines, yeah. Um, but the, the, the story of Spider-Man is the same story of Spider-Man that has happened over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and it's an easy story. Mm-hmm. Like, if you take out all the interdimensional stuff, which is which happens, which you can't, like, mm-hmm. pretend doesn't happen, but, like, if you take all of that out, this is the story of a kid. He's having trouble. He becomes Spider-Man. He overcomes his problems as Spider-Man, and in doing so, overcomes his problems at home. Which is, you don't even have to know Spider-Man. Yeah. Because there's a reason that that is the archetypal origin story mm-hmm. from mytho- Greek mythology onward, is that it's really easy to follow. It's, as you've said before, it, you know, it tracks with just human lifespan development yeah. of, you know, puberty and, and beyond. Um, yeah. <laughs> that sounded like a Buzz Lightyear. To, to puberty. puberty and beyond. Um, yeah, yeah, so... So I think uh, if you've never seen a Spider-Man thing before, mm-hmm. 
what do you get out of this? I think you still get the message. Mm -hmm. I think you might be utterly confused at points, but I think you still get the message mm -hmm. uh, out of this movie. I think you still get the heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And you see, you don't just see my, like just even the presence of a pig dressed in the same costume and a girl dressed in the same costume and a man dressed, like yeah. you see, oh, okay, there's different iterations of the same apparent hero. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them float when they smell pie. Mm-hmm. Nope. John Mulaney. Nope. Uh, All right. Is it is it so, time, do you think? I, w I am very interested uh -huh. because I think it's one thing to approach these movies as novices. Uh -huh. But I think some of the most powerful moments in both movies um, occurred to me because I am very familiar with both of the franchises. Okay. And so I think both of these movies ha do really cool things with prior knowledge and expectations and like the relationship between the audience and these heroes. Okay. Uh, so I think while both of them can survive, if you don't know them, I think there are layers that you get and um, some nuances that you can understand better. It, like they play off of, of previous versions in neat ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the Spider-Verse on the surface just being that there is a black male in the role of what we commonly know as Peter Parker. Sure. And in, you know, that's just surface, right? <laughs> but it plays, just putting it in a different context I think is very powerful. I think it um, is neat to know the Spider-Man story in advance so that you can apply it to all of these new characters that come mm -hmm. in. Um, I think it's helpful to know a little bit about Kingpin. Um, you know, Aunt May is this cool twist. You you had mentioned it earlier. Um, that how would you compare like the traditional Aunt May versus the one in this movie? Different. <laughs> traditional Aunt May is like rather passive. Like she inspires Peter Parker, but in this movie she has like a full on like arsenal right like sure. she yes. it's her backyard has she has a bat cave yeah basically, basically. <laughs> yeah. spider cave uh so that's neat in batman i think it's you know knowing this kind of like ages old battle between batman and joker that when you see tim drake who you know is robin as the joker it's mm -hmm. that much more powerful yeah and it's like it's chilling even did you have any moments as someone familiar with the franchises i mean i think you summed them up um yeah the like the seeing not old tim drake as the joker um but young tim drake mm. um like overtaken by the joker i think was really strong and very creepy mm -hmm. um yeah like robin as the joker is kind of horrifying um and yeah, in Spider-Man, there's there's a lot that subverts expectations, um, and some of that is just in the different uh, Spider folks. Um, mm. uh, I I thought Aunt May was fine. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I I think that was fine. Uh, it was a little silly for me, um, <clears throat> in a movie that is already very silly. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Oh yeah, and like the the Doc Ock 
thing mm-hmm. that reveal you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's like something for everyone in these. I think they're both, they both cater to that to some extent. More Spider-Man than Batman. Cool. So is it time? I guess it's time for All final right. Cut. It's time for the final cut. Cool. Kate, um, we're going to start with you. And we're going to start with uh, your most valuable primate, uh, your MVP of these movies. Uh, I'm going to start you off with uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Go ahead and pick someone. It can be a character. It can be an actor. It could be a producer, a a story editor, uh, a brand that sponsored the content, you know, uh, or even a character such as the city of New York, which is often a character in the films that are portrayed in, uh, to be your MVP for this episode. Uh, uh, for, so this is, for both movies. Crud. I always forget that. MVP is for MVP of the day. Yep. Great. MVP of these two movies. Mm-hmm. So for both movies, I am going to shout out to, well, movies take a couple years. I'm going to say <laughs> 2016 Marvel um, for having the foresight to produce this movie. Um, Marvel has been doing really well with like, seeding over um, some of its more traditional routes and hiring practices um, mm-hmm. to um, lend new voices and opportunity to speak for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is, I, I don't think it's as risky as probably the CEOs thought because <laughs> we're just kind of ready. Um, but it is risky. Like Black Panther is all, like it's an all black team. Yeah, we, we thought Black Panther was risky. Like, the right. general assumption was, like, Black Panther might be risky. And it was. This was absolutely... It was in traditional Like, this lens. crazy-looking movie mm-hmm. that is a mash of, like... Also, if you asked me if this would be risky, I would say yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, probably great. Mm-hmm. But is it going to make its money back? Mm. But there is... There is... It is invaluable to hire creators that that share the experiences with who your protagonist is sure. it's it's invaluable you can't have black panther with a white director right you can't have spider-verse with a white director and uh the team is i think the main director is peter ramsey it's like a three-person team but peter ramsey is the main director um and there there is so much experience i mean i'm just thinking of like an early scene where like Miles is going down the street and he's switching between, you know, slang English and slang Spanish with people on this, with like his friends on the street. And that's just, it's a quick thing, but like it doesn't feel forced. It just feels like a, yep, here's how a kid starts a day. And it's it's also kind of like, oh, so you have lived in New York. Right, right. Uh, You've had this experience, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's the writer, whether that's the director, Mm -hmm. someone on the creative team had this experience and was able to put it on the page Mm -hmm. and was able to put it on the screen Mm -hmm. because like that's something that that you know we don't do well you you might uh you speak slightly more spanish than me um but like you know that's something i don't do but that's Mm -hmm. something i see yeah you know and i think I, i mean i think there are factions of marvel too i think marvel is doing this better in some areas than others but in general i guess um wonder woman had a female director so I think DC. I think DC is moving toward this, 
I think Marvel may, I don't know. I D- DC. I don't know the comics well enough to know that if there's a precedent. Yeah, I, I think, don't. I think Marvel plays a little bit more with their superheroes and who they are. Is that correct or no? I okay. I do not feel comfortable making a blanket yeah, statement yeah, about yeah. that. I have no idea. Okay. Couldn't tell you. Sorry. I feel like DC is the more is a slightly more conservative brand of, of the two. Anyway, I appreciate what Marvel is doing, and I appreciate the voices that they are amplifying and elevating and giving responsibility to. Nice. Anyway, that was a long MVP. Dick, that was a really uh, long MVP. Name an MVP. Stanley. Stanley. Oh. Yeah. Um, not for like some cop out reason, like he created Spider Man. No. Um, I hate every Stan Lee cameo <laughs> in his movies except this one. Ugh. This was really nice. It was really sweet. And it was really nice hearing his voice again. And it One comes, last time. I don't want to take anyone's uh, scene shout out, but it Stanley's uh, appearance is in a period of mourning for the Spider-Man in mm-hmm. Miles Morales' universe. And so to have, like, the whole town is mourning this hero that maybe they haven't met, but it's, like, widely adored, or at least it fascinates the city. And so to have Stan Lee, you know, a month after his his own death kind yeah. of appear in this moment is, like, all right, if I wasn't crying mourning. anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this kind of that symbol really that means a lot to people. Yeah, so, yeah, having him having him appear right there and give his uh, best acting performance since mall rats like like he's 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 just not great in most of his cameos but in this it was it was great yeah so that was my favorite character and uh, my favorite moment i think is a in speaking of scene shout outs yeah. dick do you want to start with with your spider verse maybe it's that maybe it's yeah, so if I was like to pick a scene in Spider Verse that I wanted to shout out, um, who I'd say um, uh, one sequence that I that I really liked, um, which is less an emotional sequence and more of like a traditional learning sequence, mm-hmm. is Spider Man. Uh, sorry, Miles Morales and Peter Parker. There we go, Spider Man. Uh, escaping the first time while being chased by Doc Ock. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, we've got we've got Peter Parker, who uh, got broken up with or broke up with um, uh, uh, Mary, Mary Jane, Jane because he didn't want to have kids or he wasn't ready to have kids, and that was a big thing between them. He... Uh, in order to keep Miles alive, he has to teach him how to sling web as Spider-Man. He's like, okay, you have to aim here. You have to use your momentum like this. Like, It's a kind of like super quick lesson, but he's like, you have to do this. This is how you have to do it. And Miles uh, is, you know, a kid who is learning how to use his spider powers for the first time. And like he kind of gets the hang of it and he's really enjoying it. And... So we see like a moment of growth for a character who is, I guess, maybe our secondary lead. Yeah. But he's like not our main character. Um, But like, it's nice to see like um, character growth in a character besides like our main hero or our main villain. Like we see it. I I think it's Spider-Man. We see it all over the place. Um, But like, it's nice seeing that in Peter Parker. Like, 
seeing him nurture and teach a new Spider-Man, almost like uh, Batman teaches a new Batman. Yay. It's kind of got that feel to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Spider-Verse, I, might, I loved... I, I'm not usually a fan of action sequences, mm-hmm. but they were done so creatively here that I think they were all great. But I, I think I need to go back to that that moment after everyone has been defeated and you know my uh, you know new spider-man and the police officer are having a conversation about well you know the police officer is like well we still won't be on the same team but i appreciate what you did mm-hmm. and miles just gives his dad a hug like yeah. there's just there's so much in that moment and i and i feel like there's some undercurrents of like uh, you know, conversations that are being held at a national level of like, what role are the are police supposed to fill versus what outcomes they have, and especially in it black is, communities. It is very interesting that his dad is a police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there's like some un, some there's some subtext of that in that moment, and then there's just like a this is a kid and his dad. Like he just saved the world as a superhero. Mm -hmm. He's still like a hug from his dad dad is, is what you need after that moment. And I'm, I'm like tearing up now. Oh, and I think it's very representative of like the balance. The movie strikes. No, no. Um, going back to the bat, Mm um, I guess the, the scene shout out for Batman is something I've already talked about. Yeah. But I think is the, the most effective scene, which is when you've seen, um, you know, it's during the 20 or 30 minute flashback of, uh, uh, Batman and, uh, Batgirl, um, trying to rescue Robin from the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know if at this point we know what happened to Robin. I kind of assumed that he had died, mm-hmm. um, because there is a, you know, Batman comic where that's the case. Um, but instead we see that Joker and Harley have like completely destroyed Robin mentally and he is just like pale white and wearing a Joker suit and just laughing maniacally. And this is, if, if you're not familiar with this iteration of Robin, it's not Dick Grayson Robin who's like 20 something Tim Drake is like nine. He's like a kid. So he's a kid. Uh, yeah. And like he pulls. Oh my God. I'm trying to remember the very end of this. He pulls the gun uh-huh. on Batman. Joker. Yeah. Joker orders him to pull the gun on Batman. And you've already. Yeah. Yeah. You've no, already no. seen the gag of this gun where like you click it first. And, and it, it just it does, says bang. It does a Joker thing where like it has a bang flag and then you click it again. And it kills you. Yeah. It kills <laughs> Like someone. it's a real gun. Yeah. Um, but so he, he points the gun at Batman, mm-hmm. his hand is shaking. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think the bang happens. I don't think it's, I think the, the bang happens first. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that the second bullet is coming. He kills Joker. Yeah. Like, jo- yeah, it's, and I feel like there's some maybe wording in the dialogue that's like, kill your, like, listen to your father or something like that. And you can. You, you have like a POV of Tim where he's like kind of like tilting between Batman and the Joker. Yeah. He's not 
sure who his father like is. Like for this for this movie, which I thought was fine, yeah, uh, kind of ineffective. There's this beauty of an episode, yeah, in the middle, yeah, that is just so strong mm-hmm. and so affecting. Yeah. So my scene shout out is specifically that end mm-hmm. where like Tim Drake is cracked and you legitimately do not know what's going to happen next. Right. Yeah. Uh, and my scene shout out is the same. Um, I'm going to take a different angle on it though. Go for it. <laughs> because I, I do. It's because I think one, there's, there's the most like kind of emotional, the highest emotional stakes of the whole movie is kind of in that scene. Um, the fact that it's a child. And I mean, anytime there's a scene elsewhere in the movie where Bruce Wayne gets attacked by Joker's laughing gas and he does like a, the big smile laugh mm-hmm. as just like Bruce Wayne and that's terrifying. Anytime the Joker kind of like takes over a body like that is really scary. And so it's got that element. It's got the father element. I think it also, for me who grew up on the series, is like, these are the characters that I grew up with. This mm-hmm. is a screw you, Terry McGinnis. Like this is what I want to watch for an hour. Yeah. And so to have a large extended scene that, like, you know, it's not only, it's you know, going back to what we were talking about of how like layers of connotations help these movies in different ways. That in two thousand, it's banking on you being familiar enough with these ninety two to ninety six characters. Yeah. That this is that you're a little bit in the place of Tim Drake here, where all of these characters feel very close to you and very familiar. Yeah. And that raises the stakes too. Not it's it's good animation, it's good storytelling as a standalone scene, but you also have all the the layers of your nostalgia for Batman too. And I think it's really like there's just nothing better to me than a good Mark Hamill Joker scene. And that's what that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, these movies are both kind of mashups where we cross over characters from different, uh, timelines or Mm -hmm. different universes. But if you were to take two things, uh, uh, from these movies and cross them over, what would you cross over, Kate Phillips? Goodness, that's a great question. Thank you. I mean, uh, I want, uh. You know, I wonder if there's a way... No. I don't want to bring the universe concept into Batman. I don't think that would make a lot of sense. I'm... You know what? I, I just... I got I got to. I, um, Spider-Ham <laughs> uh, meets Harley Quinn at her least, like... Psychopathic? Psychopathic, yeah. <laughs> like... They could just have some adventures, like a stand-up show, perhaps. I mean, she would be a great foil for Spider-Ham, too. Yeah. Like, if she was just the villain for yeah. Spider-Ham. Also, they're, they're just the voice work of both. It's uh, Arlene Sorkin. Warnos. Um, Ar- Arlene Sorkin and uh, John Mulaney. Just yeah. their voice acting is very... Very funny, yeah. both of them. Just extremely expressive and just words they say are funny. Um, yes. So yeah, maybe like a stand-up kind of vaudeville act with Spider-Ham and Harley Quinn. I was a good piece Spider-Ham uh, being a fun foil for for Batman. Oh my gosh, and yeah. Just having that same Harley Quinn, like, 
oh, Mr. J, you know, like, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's like the next generation Alfred or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, How, nice. what, what do you cross over, Dick? Uh, so I, I think um, what I want to do is I want to take Spider-Verse and instead of giving it a very, uh, you know, like a sequel, mm-hmm. um, they've had a very straight-laced villain mm. in Kingpin mm-hmm. doing very crazy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be interesting to see how Miles Morales deals with the Joker. Mm. Uh, so I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, um, I want to see the Joker in everything. Uh, Mark- specifically Mark Hamill's Joker. Mark Hamill's not Joker. Not necessarily whoever is playing the Joker these days. It's just, yeah, I've mentioned this a few times before, I wrote a superhero musical recently for yeah. my fifth graders at school, and the main villain in that is subconsciously, and then once I figured out consciously, <laughs> essentially based on Mark Hamill's Joker, because there is no better villain. Yeah. Like, just embodies that. Chaos, and I feel like the best Disney villains do this too. Where like they're they are funny until they are not. Like right. you have to kind of have a reason to want to watch them mm-hmm. up until the end. And most most effectively, what especially children's movies choose to do is kind of make them a little comical, a little like there's this swagger to them that's kind of like repulsive, but magnetism. There, there's magnetism to them. Sure. Um, and Joker is just the full embodiment of this, is that he's so fun to watch, and then on a dime he can turn to this just terrifying, just you don't want to be anywhere near the character. It, it's, the yeah. Yeah. Every villain should be this. Yeah. Every villain. He's so good. Mm. Uh, sweet. Well, that brings us to our final, final cut cut. Mm-hmm. Kate, let's start with Spider-Verse. Uh this just left theaters yeah but do you take this and re-release it do you release a special edition or do you for some reason chuck this in the vault never to be seen again um i would like uh uh re-release but i would like the dvd to have some like uh interactive pop-up video Like a, like not necessarily a commentary version, but uh-huh. maybe like a an annotated interactive spiderpedia with it, where like you can pause and be like, say more about this Penny mm-hmm. Parker and this spider robot. Like, yeah. uh, wh- where did it come from? It's what like, is wait, there? If I just click this button, can I watch like a five minute video explaining yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I want. Mm. Um, because there's there's so much tied in like already as someone who just knows a lot of Spider-Man by osmosis mm-hmm. of being a sibling of someone who loves Spider-Man I get a lot of the references but there's so much that I'm missing. Yeah. And I would love to take di- deeper dives. Yeah. Nice. So re-release but special features. So I would make a special edition of this. Um as I noticed in a billboard in Times Square in the movie, and then later realized when I saw who won the Oscars, um, Spider-Man was made by the guys who made Clone High. Mm. So I would make a special edition of this movie 
that included more people from Clone High <laughs> instead of just a clone college poster in Times Square. <laughs> so Spider-Man teams up with Abe Lincoln and Mahatma Gandhi, Joan of Arc, Cleopatra. I mean, is that in place of this movie? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a, yes. that's a bold statement. I think, I think, you know what? Just like a guy that works in the bodega happens to be Abe Lincoln. He doesn't have to be a main character. I get what you're I saying. just want right. him there. That's all. That could be just, one of the alternate universes. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. Just do it. This, uh, speak, when you said won the Oscars, I was going on a different track. This is a Disney movie. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredibles and Wreck-It Ralph were up against it and, and competing against it mm-hmm. actively, but this is a Disney movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Disney beat itself for ah. all of the Oscars, but also... Most movies are Disney movies at this point. Yeah, that is true. They just own everything. Yeah, that that's going to be the thing now. Yeah. So, all right. Snow White might host the Oscars again. Oh boy. <laughs> she didn't she only hosted that opening so. Oh, she was so that. great though. Oh, that's not how I would characterize her. She that. was one of the best people in that opening. But also, can you call her Snow White because it was not a licensed uh we recently, for the first time, oh. saw that infamous Oscars opening. For, was it 89? Something like that. With it was, Snow White it was and Rob the, Lowe. And it was the last point. time before. So the most recent Oscars didn't have hosts. Right. The time before that, that it didn't have hosts, it had this terrible... Was it not Lily Tomlin? That sequence ends with Lily Tomlin being like, welcome, we got a great show for My you. My understanding is that there was no official okay. host. Okay. Um, but the intro was this thing that marvin hamlish put together that uh, yeah is marvin hamlish and some drugs bad yeah and rob lowe and some drugs yeah there are yeah. lots of drugs involved um but yeah anyway uh okay so batman beyond joker the joker returns yeah re-release special edition vault i i special edition this for sure for mm-hmm. sure um there's a couple of things um, that we do. One is we tighten up the editing mm-hmm. um, because it is distracting. Um, we plus up the animation. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, I, I, I bag on the editing and the animation and stuff, which isn't really fair because this is a TV movie. Mm-hmm. It had nowhere near the budget of like a theatrically no. released movie, I am sure. Um, but I think I think part of what we do is we plus that up and then we get someone in to give this script a once over i I don't know who it is i don't know if it's like a pete doctor Mm. um to just come in and be like okay we need to we need to pete script doctor Uh, maybe that's why i thought of his name i don't know (laughs) um or uh pete dramaturge um you know uh, there's not a name leaping to my head uh, 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 that would be appropriate, but we get. I mean, some... maybe you get someone who did Spider Verse. Maybe, but but what I want to take is I want to take this movie and I want to make it embrace more adult themes. Mm. I want I want it to I want to take that chip out that mm-hmm. microchip. Yeah, and I want this to address some of the the things that it seems like it wants mm-hmm. to address, which is like the lasting effects of torture. The, yeah. Um, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress Absolutely. from living with an abuser. Right. These are things that it seems like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker wants to address, but doesn't. 
So yeah, I would like I feel to like... bring someone in to rewrite it and address those things. Yeah. You could address abuser on both sides, right? Like yeah. the specific traumatic experience of Tim and Joker, but Terry McGinnis is being overworked by Bruce Wayne. The, like the experiences different... of the various Robins yeah. and Nightwings. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I feel like there's an impulse that kind of touches on this, especially when you see like all those costumes lined but up. But we and... never really hit no, it. No, you never hit it. it. It always like alludes, but it never mm-hmm. gets there. Yeah. So yeah, I I want it to get there. I want this movie to be the movie that that it is in my head. Yeah. You want it to break Batman and break you. Yeah, I yeah. just I just want it to actually touch on those themes yep. and, or actually explore those themes instead of just touching on mm-hmm. them. All right. So I I think I uh break this down into three episodes. Yeah. I think I it's not a movie. I break it down to three episodes, but it's like a special event series where, and I think the first, I think you, you can't just, cause it's three episodes, right? It's like exposition and mm-hmm. like, who is the Joker? It's the flashback. That's one episode. And then the resolution. No. I think I probably alter that first episode the most. Cause I think there's a lot of dead weight in it. Um, I don't, I like, I don't need to see Batman beyond with the Joker's crew so much, like especially if you're supposed to kind of know about Batman Beyond. Yes, Dick, you have a an inter. You know his name is just Batman, right? His name is Batman Beyond. <laughs> there is Batman. Uh huh. There is Batman Beyond. Okay. Batman. I just wanted to clarify. Batman, the Dark Knight. Sure. Um. Yeah. So I think you break it into like a an event series, but it's still a series. And I think you can accomplish this in three 22 minutes. You would still cut off about 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the runtime. Yeah, you 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 definitely clip the pacing. Um, maybe bring in a few different voices or like some re-records with better direction for anyone who's not Mark Hamill or sure. Kevin Conroy. Uh, yeah, I think I think it just needs to be tightened and. I think with with a three part TV series that not that the, that the expectations would be lowered, but they'd be differently applied. Yeah, and I think it would make this more powerful. Can I give you one more uh, alternate take on this uh-huh. movie that I would like to do? Cut Terry McGinnis yeah. entirely. Yeah, that's fine. And it's just old Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He is no longer Batmaning. Yeah. He is no longer training a protege. He's just an old dude mm-hmm. trying to do his own old dude thing. Mm-hmm. Boom, the Joker's back. Yeah. And now he's like, oh, crap. I'm like, you know, 70. Well, Whoa. and maybe you could introduce, not Terry McGinnis, but some stand-in partway through. And then yeah. that highlights the, no, I don't want to do this to someone again. And there's, there's like probably heroes somewhere. Right. Right. And maybe he reaches out to like... You know, maybe Tim Drake isn't a thing at that point, but he could still reach out to Barbara Gordon. He could still right. reach out to Dick Grayson. You know, so yeah. But maybe we just get rid of Terry McGinnis. Yeah, dead weight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that was uh, a hell of an episode. Yeah. Uh, I would describe it as super. I would describe it as heroic. I would describe it as bat. I describe it as spider. <laughs> Uh, for cellmates podcast thank you for listening by the way uh if you want to 
get in touch with us, you want to suggest some episodes, or if you just want to tell us that we are right about everything, uh, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at Cellmates Podcast. Email at Cellmate Podcasts cellmatespodcast at gmail.com on our website uh, cellmatespodcast.com on our Facebook cellmates podcast on our Instagram nope on our Discord channel nope on our Slack nope uh, our P.O. Box that's all our fax that's all uh, by Telegram we're on all the we're on, uh, iTunes Spotify Google Play other things probably other things yeah. I, I, we're on all sorts of pod things but if you are listening to us you probably know that but you know what please uh rate and review Mm -hmm. uh if you're gonna do it nice like if you're gonna give us a one-star review you don't necessarily have to uh but yeah read and review us tell us we're great see you next time same bat channel same spider verse podcast bye Enter the Spider-Verse Enter is playing Spider-verse. at AMC Harlem 125 at 1.30, 3 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock, 7.30, 9 o'clock. Rated Into the Spider-Verse. PG for mild themes. Or- <laughs>